Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So hey everybody, welcome back. What's going on? I'm so excited to be with all of you again. Thank you so much for being part of the community, the Accelerated Investor community. I hope you've enjoyed all of the episodes that we've released, both on iTunes and YouTube, on uh, not only just ways to follow your passion, financial freedom, you know, discovering what's important to you, but also some of the recent episodes regarding the stock market and real estate investing and the specifics about being a really intelligent, smart investor. Today, I have a special treat with all of you. I actually have a special treat for myself, which is my buddy, Keith Yaki. Uh, Keith and I met about three years ago, four years ago at a mastermind event, um, and we just immediately connected because it just we both felt the kind of authenticity about each other. The real estate investing world, as many of you probably have figured out, is filled with quote unquote gurus and you know different guys that not, not always telling you the truth, not always representing who exactly they are and what they've accomplished. And Keith and I found each other to just be fun and exciting to be around and also authentic about our experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, the dumpster fires, and we've connected. And uh, Keith just made a move to Southern California. And so I personally wanted to connect with Keith and see what was going on in his life, talk a little bit more about his entrepreneurial journey. And he's finally settled in SoCal, so I was able to lock him down and have him hop on. So Full disclosure, this interview, this conversation is more for me than for my audience. So Keith, what's going on, man? Welcome back. How are you? Uh, Josh, man, so pumped, so honored to be on here. And, uh, you know, when you talk about us seeing authenticity in each other, uh, we, we are both in a world raising, we do a lot of the similar stuff, right? Raising private money, doing deals, teaching people how to do deals. And in, a, in that niche, it can be very competitive. A lot of the people talk, you know, shit on each other back and forth. But when I met you and the way we connected, I, I never felt that. I just felt like, wow, if you have something that I can offer to my people that would benefit them, I, I want them to be, be able to use that and utilize that. So I think you and I both share that similarity in that similar mindset. And not only that, but like I, I liked you and trust you so much that even uh, I told my mom, hey, invest with Josh. And that's really rare for me to do. So um yeah, man, just so honored to be here. And I'm sure we could talk about a lot of really fun things and, and hopefully inspire some people. Yeah, you bet, Keith. So we'll talk so a little bit more on Keith. So Keith's raised, last Keith, I, we talked to you about real estate. Often when Keith and I get together, we talk about way other things other than real estate, but had raised something like 40 or $50 million of private capital. So Keith will give us an update on that and what he's doing with the funds and different experiences he's had raising private money. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and Keith, you know, 
since his mom passed away about 12 years ago, you know, he really is teaching his audience about how to live with no regrets. So we'll talk along those lines, things he's learned along his entrepreneurial journey about being authentic and, and, and living with passion. And, and, and I think, Keith, one of the things that I love about you that really uh, relates to what I do is we both love to talk about money. We love both love to talk about private money, but we also try to weave in a lot of our entrepreneurial journey, the good, the bad, the ugly, into how we teach our students and how we coach our people and how we engage with people. So let's first of all talk about no regrets. So when I say the word no regrets, which is something that is all over your website, it's, it's, it's part of who you are. Tell us a bit more about where that comes from and how are you living that today? Yeah. Well, first of all, now that you put it in those terms, I can't believe I don't have a tattoo of it yet. So I'm yeah, gonna... <laughs> you need some more tattoos, man. It's all over those big muscles you got. I love it. I need to put some no regrets on my tattoos. But um, first of all, man, like it's, it's the mantra that I learned from my mom when she was passing away 12 years ago. On her deathbed, she basically looked and said, Keith, I'm passing on to the next life and I have regrets. I didn't become who I wanted to become. I didn't do a lot of the things that were in my heart to do. And I don't want that to happen to you. So when you say no regrets, when anybody says that, I instantly go back to that living room where she told me that. And that's why I started a real estate business. I was really scared to start certain things. But when she said, Keith, live a life of no regrets, that means for me, if there's something in my heart that goes, I'd like to do that, then I owe it to myself, my legacy, and to my mom to go after and explore what that's going to look like. And having done that a couple times now, whether it's getting back in shape physically, whether it's um, building a business to eight figures, whether it's building, you know, whatever, whatever it is that I want to do comedy. I realize there's going to be joy at the end of the road, but there's actually going to be a lot of struggle getting there. And so the no regrets mantra says, listen, put in the work so that when you do enjoy the fruit or you enjoy who you become in the midst of chasing this thing, you're going to be able to say with yourself, when you look back at the end of your life, you're going to look back and go, I lived it with no regrets. I did what was in my heart to go try and do win, lose, draw. At least I tried. So that's what no regrets means to me. Got it. Yeah. And when I think about it, I, th I think about, look, if I'm going to go and try something, I've probably got an 80 or 90% chance of failing, especially in the beginning, trying to figure things out. And I would rather now, you know, now that I've been an entrepreneur for over 22 years, I, I would rather have that trophy of trying and failing and also telling myself I've got no regret with trying that than yeah. to actually never have tried it and not have the failure, like not have the failure trophy, but yeah. then also be given the regret trophy. So how yeah. do you, how do you cool. balance the failure? Because we all, all, we all have a lot of failure. You've had a lot of failure. I have with that regret trophy that you kind of don't want, right? That's the balance. And a lot of people are afraid for the failure. So they don't have the failure trophy, but they also have the regret trophy. So what, do, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I personally believe that the reason why most people are afraid of failure isn't for actually failure's sake. They're afraid of what other people are going to say about them or how they're going to view them when they fail. So, a lot of people say, I'm afraid of failure, and I'll dig deeper. I go, are you afraid of failing? Or are you afraid of maybe the position you're going to put yourself in in the eyes of others when you fail? Great point. So once we dive into that and they go, oh, shit, I'm actually really afraid of what my aunt's going to say because she was successful and told me I never would be. Or my dad said, hey, that's for other people, not us. Or 
when my brother who was the best athlete in the whole entire county and I wasn't, you know, like there's all this, we all come with just a whole horse load of bullshit behind us and in our brain, right? So I would say, all right, well, what if you actually tried it and you actually made a success of it? Or how would you feel? So I honest, this is why, Josh, I know we're going to get kind of deep here, but this is why I believe it takes so long for people to actually become really successful is because the first attempts are just them stepping out saying, hey, wait, nobody made fun of me. Or they kind of did and it didn't hurt that bad. And then they, they will kind of fall because they don't have necessarily the skills to succeed. But they're not focused on, do I need a skill? How can I succeed? They're saying, how do I do this and not fuck up too bad and have everybody around me laugh at me? So I think it's a lot of it's the mental game of getting to that next point to say, all right, I honestly don't care if I fail this thing. I don't care what my dad's going to say because I'm going to take pride in, in the fact that I, I tried this. So there's, it's so much, it's so deep is what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah. It's a good uh, springboard into that. Well, look, and because I've had so many failures, I've gotten good at, uh, you know, kind of identifying with that and rectifying that in my own mind. And it really comes down to owning, like owning the power of it, right? So if I fail, and you're so right, Keith, like if you fail, it's not the failure itself that we're most afraid of. It's the actual, what am I going to say to others? What are people going to think about me? And to take that one step further, really the the ultimate worst position to be in is when everyone, you feel like everyone's judging you. Mm-hmm. So to say, well, what's worst case scenario here? If I really try this, what's worst case scenario is the judgment of others. It's not the bankruptcy. It's not failing. It's not losing money. It's the judgment of others, the mental part of it. It's the emotional side of it. Um, if I tell myself, look, if I do fail, I've already got the answer, which is, you know, I tried that. I put my best effort in. I put in everything I had. I put in all the work. I recruited all the money. I brought in all the family and all the friends. And I thought I had the business plan. And you know what? I just didn't get it right. And being able to tell people that and own that gives all the power back to you as opposed to giving the power to the people who are judging you. Yeah. Right. So it really comes down to that. Being comfortable with owning that and telling people that allows you to be more powerful to take the risk to live yep. with no regrets. Right. I, I love how you said that. And I would like to piggyback and add one thing on that. And that is um, so many people don't even have that conversation where they're being brutally honest with themselves. I feel like for me in my life, I minimized my. I minimized where I was really at. I wasn't brutally honest with saying, Keith, like, okay, let me give you a perfect example. I went on this 75 hard thing this last 75 days. I dropped a bunch of weight. I look like a freaking Greek god now. Let's admit it. I look amazing. (laughs) Dude, just the hair, the glasses, and the muscles is Greek god (laughs) all day. Love it. Dude, yeah, just, but but the before picture that I showed you, I I was like, who was that guy? Now, yeah. in the midst of my transformation, I realized, okay, I'm 45 to 50 pounds overweight. Now, nobody was, I'm still 20 pounds overweight. I only lost 25 or 30 pounds. Here's the thing is there was a guy at the gym at the same time, and he's like, man, dude, you're so dedicated. You're just as awesome, blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, man, dude, you can do it too. He's like, yeah, I need to lose this last 10 pounds. Josh, this guy was a minimum of 60 to 70 pounds overweight. And yeah, what, I, wow. what I realized that is that's us. We go, yeah, I mean, I'd like to make a little more money. 
No, dude, you're struggling to make your rent at the end of the month. Call it what it really is. Don't like quit lying to yourself. You're bullshitting yourself. No, Keith, you're 50 pounds overweight. That's unacceptable. That's my wife doesn't deserve to be one rolling around in the sheets with a tub of lard. <laughs> Let's get sexy as shit and, and, and give your life a better, you know, so it's like these things quit minimizing, quit minimizing and be honest. So there'll be people listening to this right now and be like, man, I'd like to start investing in real estate because it'd be great to add another few thousand dollars to my bottom line. No, dude, if you don't do anything now, you're still going to be working that job when you're 75 or you're going to transfer over to Walmart and be the full and receipt checker. And it's because you didn't get honest with yourself right now. Fuck what other people think. What do you think about yourself? Yeah. Right now, you're not where you want to be. And that's the whole reason why I did that 75 hard challenge because I was like, holy shit, I'm a fat ass and this is unacceptable. But I didn't see myself as a fat ass until I got real about it. Then I yeah. got real. I'm like, all right, I can dig myself out of this or I cannot eat myself out of this. You know, it's funny, Keith, like you went through this challenge and I, I turned 43 years old last week and I told myself and I had a conversation with my wife just last week and I said, you know, honey, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty bored right now. Like, I feel like I've got the same body I've had for the last couple of years. Like you know, the businesses are growing, but not at the rate that I want them to grow. You know, we kind of do the same things. We go to the same restaurants. We, we do the same things with the kids. We go on kind of the same vacations. Like this year, everything is going to be different. And so I actually interviewed my friend, you know, Ryan Nadell, you know, Ryan from total CEO and just, you know, through our group of friends and all that. So I interviewed Ryan just a couple weeks ago and Ryan was talking about how he made this big pivot and the things that he screwed up in his old relationships, how he was lying to himself. And I thought, you know what, like I'm going to change everything overnight. And so I literally told myself like the key to all the things I want to do different really starts with me going to sleep earlier. Like, I've got to stop boozing at night because I was like, I'm kind of bored, so I'm kind of drinking and not a lot, but I have a couple beers a night or a glass of scotch or two, and I just wasn't performing at the optimal level the next day. So I thought, all right, shit, let's get rid of the alcohol. Let's go, even though it wasn't a lot, just, it, you know, I'm just, I'm old. I'm slower than I was when I was 24. So I got honest with that, got rid of that just in the last couple weeks, and then started going to bed earlier. Now, getting up at five in the morning is no problem, right? Yeah. And it, all the change starts with figuring out, like, what's the one thing that's going to move the lever the most? So when you think about no regrets and pursuing your passion, like, what does it start with for you? Like, how do you make mental room for it? How do you make physical room in your calendar for it with you and your wife and all the things you've got going on? How do you make that big change? Like committing to the 75-day challenge, the heart challenge, or raising more capital. Like what are the mechanics for you to actually make the mental, emotional, and physical capacity to make the big change? Okay, dude, that's such a great question. First of all, congrats on the no alcohol and getting to bed earlier. Like that's what 75 Heart taught me was I need to put myself out of my comfort zone. Dude, I took a 10-minute cold shower this morning before we jumped on. That's why the hair looks so damn amazing. And dude, I was like, ah, 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 for 10 minutes, man. And I just did it not because I mean, if I'm on a challenge right now, I just thought, dude, what would, what, what would, this is the question I love. And then I'll get to the practical advice. The question I love and I learned it. Do you know Garrett J. White? I don't know. I've never heard that name before. Okay, he, he has a, uh, a movement called wake up warrior. It's for like married men to oh. learn how to have it all. I know the wake up warrior dude. I didn't know that it was his real name though. Yeah, well, he, he has he's both who I awesome surf. hair. Yeah, he, he's who I surf with every morning out here. So we have amazing talks. But one of the things he said that I thought was so 
um, was so good is he just talks about, you know, really being expansive and knowing that we, we, we need, our desire is to grow. And then I realize for me that if I'm not doing stuff to cause me to grow, to see things differently, then, then I get in that same rut, that same rut, that same rut, which is how I put on an extra 50 to 60 pounds on my frame and expect my wife to be okay with it. That's horseshit. So how I do it is I, first of all, got very focused on what I wanted and I started pushing everything else away. Josh, I get asked to do podcasts a lot and speak. I haven't spoke or been on podcasts in a very long time except for a couple of friends because I have one, I have, I, I decided I'm going to get focused on what I need to be focused on and I'm going to let everything else fall by the wayside. And that's really scary at first, man. Yes. You're like, you know, my brother's got to talk to me. My sister's got to this. I need this. Everybody needs something. Then it's like, wait a second. I'm doling out all this advice and time and energy for their shit, but I'm not focused on me and I'm not where I want to be. So getting absolutely realistic about where I'm at, I go, okay, cool. This has got to change. And then I think focusing on that one thing and making it a habit. I'm not doing the 75 hard challenge anymore, but I still wake up at the exact same time every morning and immediately I read my pages. I get my water. I do my thing. So, what I would say is this, your calendar is the exact evidence of what you, what you really value in your life. So, oh, that's brutal. I, I love that. But it's so true. So, so, true. so my wife is a sassy Latina son of a gun. I love Good her. You. She's beautiful. She's amazing. Yeah, she's the best. But she don't put up with no bullshit either, which is what I, she goes, dude, you can get up at three or four or five. I don't care when you get up. You can do whatever you want all day. But you have a daughter that needs you and loves you and adores you. So when it comes five o'clock, I know you're an entrepreneur and you're done when it's done. Then get up earlier because you have a family to be a part of too. And she holds me to that. Nice. Put your damn phone away. Right. Text, your, text your buddy later. So I, this, I'm getting to a point. And the point is this. I don't work much past five hardly at all. And so, therefore, I go, shit, I've only got a certain amount of time to get this done. So, I get focused. All right. Guess what? Instagram doesn't really make me money. I mean, obviously, Instagram ads and Facebook ads make me money. But all the other bullshit doesn't really make me money. It's just a quick little drip of of dopamine to make me say, oh, my God, somebody liked my picture. Way cool. I'm not in high school anymore. I don't need that shit. I am driving at trying to get something. So, let me give you the very practical example. When I first started investing in real estate almost 12 years ago, this is the big realization for me, and I, and I think it will resonate with a lot of the guys that are on this call. I was a diehard USC college football fan. Loved them with all of my heart, and they were winning like crazy. And I realized that Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll, Matt Leiner, and uh, some of the other guys. Bush push. Yeah, dude, the Bush push, all that. I realized that none of those guys were going to pay for my retirement. None of them were going to pay my mortgage. None of them were going to be there to pat me on the back when I was down. And I realized I was investing all this time in them and they weren't investing anything back in me. So I decided when I first started investing in real estate, I'm not watching football until I get my first deal under contract. Nice. Plain and simple. Why? So I could focus not on stats of people who are running, you know, that are running the football down the field that aren't going to affect my life in any way, shape or form. What stats going to matter? Me going and flipping my first property and putting 20 or 30 grand in my pocket, give me the confidence to go out and build a company that could then start doing 15, 20 deals a month and raising gazillions of dollars 
and changing my financial future forever. So I think it comes down to the realization, A, we're not here very long. B, if you want to get something done, schedule the goddamn time to do it and don't let anybody sit your family down, sit my wife down, sit your kids down and say, this next 30, 60, 90 days, I'm going with all of my energy at something and I need you guys to support me in this. It's going to seem like I'm obsessed. It's going to seem like I'm maniacal about it. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm not happy with where we're at as a family and that's on me. Yeah. So that's a practical example, I think, of just saying, dude, but some people will go, well, okay, Keith, I can schedule the time, but I don't know what to do during that time. Well, that's where you need to get the right education so you actually have a right blueprint to follow to build something. Yeah. And Keith, what I love about what you just said was the kind of, I think it was three words at the end was it's on me, right? And it's, especially if you're a leader in your house or a leader in your business, male or female, at the end of the day, like it's on me. And I've, I've definitely taken my lumps over the years of getting spread too thin, trying too many different things, and ultimately realizing that there were certain things that just aren't, they're not part of the real bottom line. They're not part of the 20% that's getting us 80% yeah. of results. And that's on me. The schedule's on me. My body's on me. What I'm putting into my body, what I'm, whether I'm working out or not, whether I have a passionate relationship, it's on me. And I, that's what I love about you, Keith. You're the same as me. Like You just don't put up with any bullshit from other people making excuses and saying, well, it's their fault. It's the weather. It's you know this person. It's that person. It's my brother. It's this or that. No, it's on me. Like If there's a name for this, Ramey, we should, this, the name of this podcast should be It's On Me. I like that, right? We're going to roll with that. But uh, change it, change so, it right now. Change it right now. I just, for got, sure. you, I just got you the URL. It's on me podcast.com. It's, it's on me. Um, so Keith, like you, you, you've been passionate for real estate. Then you got passionate for helping others. You built up an amazing following through Amplify. But today you're back to your roots as a real estate entrepreneur and raising tons of capital. So just walk us through that journey you know, pursuing different passions and then kind of coming back to really your core. Um, tell us about the journey and then we'll talk specifically about what you're doing right now. Cool, man. So I think for me specifically, I, I, I feel like I'm just coming into who I really am supposed to be because I'm, I'm tuning out the outside voices of who people think I should be and I'm tuning into like, what do I want to be? So for me, I was in the real estate space and uh, helped a couple different companies build their thing. And, and I really enjoyed the ride while I was there until I didn't. And honestly, I was way more judgmental, judgmental and critical back then than I am now. And whenever you're the number two or number three guy, you always have an idea of what the number one guy should do. But then when you become the number one guy, <laughs> you realize, oh, that's why they did it that way. Oh, now I understand. So, I probably lost some good relationships because I wasn't mature enough to understand um, where that went. So I actually got out of the real estate space only because I didn't really, I just didn't like the vibe of the people and, and who I was around and what was going on. Although honestly, now I feel like I would probably treat them way differently. Um, so, so I left that space just because I wanted to go help people. Now, I'll be very honest with you, Josh. I've chased a couple different niches and I've actually succeeded in them thinking that it was what I did that was going to bring me joy, not realizing it was actually how I did it that actually brings me joy. So I come back to real estate because A, um, I love it. I love making big chunks of dough. I got a, I got a flip property that goes on the market in seven days that we'll make, you know, a hundred grand on. And nice. 
that that's a fun flip. You know what I mean? I like buying apartment buildings. I go, that thing's going to make me $2,100 the rest of my life every single month. I love that feeling. And uh, I've been teaching it and training it forever. So I realized, you know what? If I take the mindset stuff I know about not minimizing where you're really at, being brutally honest, actually admitting what you really want. That's another thing. People have a hard time admitting, I want to be rich. They think, because I get it all the time on the phone. People go, I don't want to be greedy. I just would like to make maybe 20 grand a month. I go, dude, making 80 grand a month doesn't mean you're greedy either. Right, right. Making 180 grand a month doesn't mean you're greedy. So, you know, approaching it from those mindsets and saying, you know what, um, dude, if I take these things about mindset, I can plug it into any niche and change people's lives. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do now because ultimately, Josh, you and I both know, man, we can teach you ARV and calculations and where to go to find the money. But if your brain is a scrambled egg, I can't, I can't unscramble that egg. I, I, or it's going to take me a while to go figure out how to unscramble your egg because if your mind's not right, you're not going to do any of this shit we teach you anyway. So that's, right. that's what I'm passionate about. That's why I came back to it because I realized it's a niche I can make a lot of money in. It's a niche I love and it's helping people really break through a lot of their bullshit beliefs about success and money and those types of things. Yeah, you bet. That answer the question? Absolutely. And that's where it's at, really. I mean, if what my philosophy about money and real estate is funding equals freedom, right? You can wholesale a lot of properties, even apartment buildings. I actually was on the phone this morning with a uh, private investor of ours who's about to invest in our, our latest apartment deal. And he says to me, Josh, he's like, I'm, I'm $47 million liquid. I could get access to a billion dollars. Um, wholesaling properties is child's play. And yeah. I thought, well, that's awesome. That's just another way of saying like wholesaling is a way to make an, a quick income, a quick buck, but it's not really investing. That's a job. That's a way to make money, but it's not really investing. Investing is getting access to capital and getting access, whether it's bank financing, lines of credit, warehouse lines, private money, which Keith, you and I are so passionate for, and owning the asset that's paying you every month every year, that's real investing that moves the needle, that creates legacy wealth. That's where it's at. And so I love the fact that you and I share a lot of the same philosophies around that. And so Keith, talk specifically today about private money. What are your thoughts around it, about getting it? Why are so many people have this mental block around talking to investors about investing in deals? What kind of deals do you like to buy with that private capital? Awesome. So I always keep coming back to this, but it's perspective. So I believe, I believe the reason why so many people are afraid to raise private money is because they feel like they're going with their hat in their hand out to somebody saying, can I please borrow money? I really need help. Please help me. I'm broke. Please help. Which, how could you ever, there's no way to be empowered doing that action or having that perspective. But if the perspective is, I've got an amazing opportunity that we can make money together. Let me show you the facts of how we can do money together. Now you're showing up with enthusiasm and oh, by the way, there's seven other people looking at this. So if you want to in on this, let me know because it's going to be gone quickly. That's a same deal, same, uh, same scenario. You're just approaching it with two different ways. So when it comes to raising private money, you got to realize you're not begging for money. You are giving an opportunity to somebody to make money on their money. And as people who like to make money, which is you and I, and a lot of people listening to this call is, dude, 
give us an opportunity to make money. We love it. We find it. So when I raise private money, I like doing flips and I like buying hold, buying uh, apartments. That's my thing. It's my one-two punch. It's what I go to. It's what I'm excited. We just got a deal accepted yesterday that we're really looking forward to doing. Like, I love being in that part and I love being in, in the business of helping people transform their life, really moving past their fear into transformation and being a cheerleader for them when they need it, being the kick in the ass that they need when they need it. But ultimately, just for me, the private money, there's a lot of places to go find it. But even if I showed it to you and I've shown some students where to find it and they literally for weeks are like, I'm too scared to talk to them. I'm like, then this is why you need to change your mindset and change your perspective. And oh, by the way, just go talk to them anyway, because if I, I want you to go fail because you're going to realize that it wasn't that big of a deal. It's not like they pulled your pants down and started paddling you on your ass and say, get out of here with that shitty deal. It's not going to happen. Right, right. It's, it's so perspective. Uh, perspective, man. And I, I brought this up on many other calls and podcasts. My friend Francis Ablola, I don't know if you know Francis, but he's an amazing direct response marketer. He's from Jacksonville. And he said to me one time years ago, he said, Josh, if you have something, this is about perspective, about private money, about investing, about bringing people into your deals. He said, if you have something that you feel so passionate for that it's going to impact other people's lives in a positive way and you know that you can get behind it, you're passionate for it, you're going you're gonna to stay up all night making sure that deal goes, making sure that deal works, you think you can get behind it and you know that other people will do well by investing in it or buying it with you, you here's the here's the here's the punchline. You have a moral obligation to sell it to them. Yeah, a moral obligation to bring them into it because it's going to enhance their life and make their life better. And to me, yeah. that rings so true when I think about like just just two days ago, Keith, we held a webinar about seventy people. I have relationships with all these people. They're previous investors, current investors, people that I know, like and trust, know, like and trust me. They're thinking about investing. Fifty of them got on the phone. We're raising $1.1 million for a $10 million apartment deal. We're looking for 11 commitments of 100000 each. And in 60 minutes, we raised $2.6 million. We oversold it by two and a half times. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm trying to figure out like where to put all the extra capital and because some people yeah. aren't going to be able to get in the deal. But why did they invest? One, because I have the passion for the deal. I vetted the deal. I'm totally behind it. But two... I, I think my passion for the deal comes through when I talk to them that yeah. I know they're going to be better off. Like I feel like I have a moral obligation to bring them into it because I know they're going to do better with this than the stock market, mutual funds, other things they could invest in. So yeah. like your perspective about the, you know, not being the panhandler with their head out looking for, a, you know, a, looking for a freebie versus yeah. we can do this together. Like, man, that resonates with me big time. Man, it resonates with me. So, Keith, when you bring in your motivational, your opportunity to teach people about finding their passion, having no regrets, and raising money, um, what are you focused on going on a go-forward basis? Like, if you were teaching our audience, what would you tell them to do in a couple of sentences, a couple of paragraphs? Wh- what would you leave them with? What would you tell them to do? How would you tell them to operate going forward? Okay. I'd like to say one final truth, and if you want it to be more tactical, practical, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go there, but... I really think if, if they understand this, it will change and unlock their world. Most of us, myself included, 
are asking, what is the minimum effort I have to put in to get the maximum result? And I personally think that that is not a good mindset to have. Of course, we want to be efficient. Of course, we want to use leverage. Of course, we want to use technology. No shit. But the mentality that says, how do I put the least amount of effort in but still get the maximum result? What happens is, is you are just, you're just doing the minimum. And doing the minimum will get you the minimum wage. It'll get you the minimum result. But if you want a massive, amazing, life-changing result, then put in your maximum effort. Give it everything you've got. I'm saying effort. I'm not talking about technology or efficiencies. Obviously, use all that stuff. But what's your max effort? If your max effort is, I'm going to have to stick around the office later or in my situation, get my ass out of bed earlier to make sure I send emails. I'll tell you this, Josh, in, in, in my uh, coaching business and our online business, the more emails I send to my group, the more money I make. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just the bottom line. And it's not that it's hard to do it. It's just I get so busy doing everything else. So I go, cool. You want to make maximum income and maximum results and maximum transformation and maximum impact on the people that have signed up for your list, but you're only putting in minimum effort. What is the wrong with you, Keith? One, one in doesn't equal 10 out. No, put 10 effort in and then let's see where you can go. And most people aren't putting all their effort in, man. And that's the truth. And you can simply just say, cool, show me your calendar. You worked eight hours? No, you didn't. You scrolled on Facebook and YouTube and a bunch of other bullshit for three. You're not putting in max effort. And I think that that might sound too 30,000 foot view, but the truth is, is once you say, no, I'm putting in max effort. Let's see how far I can actually push this thing. Those are the people that are getting truly life-changing results, man. When it comes to raising private money, when it comes to doing deals, when it comes to having awesome, hot, passionate sex with your wife because she's super turned on by you and loves you because you actually take the trash out. You wash the dishes. You say, let me take my daughter. You know what? Why don't you go on a walk? I'll take her for the next four hours. Like that's called maximum effort. Yeah. And everything I do. I love it, man. You know what? I don't know why this jumped into my head, but um, there's a quote, I think it's from Vince Lombardi and the, and I don't even know the whole quote, but the last sentence is what just is jumping out in my head. Um, and it's, it's something along the lines of lying on the field of battle, exhausted and victorious, mm. right? Exhausted and victorious, right? So exhausted, like I, I, I was thinking, you're getting me all jacked up, man, thinking about like the physical output, the mental output, the phone calls, the emails, sending out, you know, fit, was it phys, physical letters, hosting webinars, that's the physical output. And that's not hard work. I mean, we're not digging ditches here. We're thinking and using our brains, but it's about the time. How much time can we put into it? Um, yeah. But I love what you said earlier about, you know, having kind of a cutoff, five o'clock, and then spending that time with your wife and your daughter and knowing I got to put in max effort during this block on my calendar. And if you looked at my calendar and your calendar, Keith, you would say during this block, when we're done, when we're home, we're lying on the field of battle, exhausted and victorious, man. That's what kind of resonated yep. with me. I don't know why that jumps out. It just does. Well, it is, it's truth, man. And, and the bottom line is, and I know I get a little fired up and we're getting excited and I know we're coming to the end of our, this, this talk, but, the bottom line is most people don't know where they can go because they haven't put in hardly any effort to get there. And they fall into this stupid trap of believing 
it's easier. You know how easy it is for people on this call right now to look at you and me and go, wow, they make a shit ton of money. They have amazing lives. Everything's great. Oh, it must have been easy for them. Fuck you. It wasn't easy for me. You know what? I worked a construction job. I got there at 4.30 and worked there till almost 6. Came home, did dinner with my family, put my kids to bed, and then I started my new real estate business from about 8.30 till 10.30 at night. Got about four or five hours of sleep. Why? Because I wanted to change my life because I didn't want to pound nails. I didn't want to dig ditches. I didn't want to not have my life change. And then I didn't want to believe any excuse that says, I'm going to just be this because of that. No, man. And I know I'm getting a little cursy here, but fuck you and fuck that attitude. That's my little bitch voice. And that's what I've learned to silence over the last couple of years is the bitch voice says, you've done enough. No, I haven't because I'm not even close to where I want to go. And guess what? I don't care that everybody around me goes, wow, you're so successful. In my mind, I'm not even close to successful. And that's what's firing me up, Josh. And you fire me up too, man. So, so there we go. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So a couple rapid fire questions as we wrap up. First of all, okay. for, for our audience that wants to reach out to you, get in touch with you, talk about private capital or just kind of loves your energy, they just want to connect with you, how can they reach out to you? Website, phone, email, whatever, podcast, how do they get in touch with you? Okay. So if, um, oh, by the way, the whole five o'clock thing, that's because I've tore my family apart and busted it up just a few years ago. And I had to learn that. So the, the, that pain is what prodded me into compliance here. And nice. I'm so glad I did. Second thing, um, if you want to just follow me day to day and know kind of what I'm up to, Instagram, Keith Yaki is where to go. If you want to know like, what's my philosophy on raising private money and how I do all that, blah, 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 privatemoneyprocess.com. Got it. Nice. Keith, a couple other rapid fire questions. What's the favorite place that you've ever been? Trip or place where you've lived? What's your favorite place you've ever been? Oh, God. That is such a great question, man. The beach. I love I love the beach. I just, nice. every day I walk out there like a giddy little kid to be able to surf waves. So that's, that's awesome. Awesome. That's my pure, pure spot. Uh, favorite book that you've read recently or favorite uh, source of inspiration, whether it's books or radio, podcast, music, what, what, what's your favorite thing you've either read or listened to uh, recently? Uh, I just reread the one thing. I think it's my fourth time reading it. And I just found so much good in that. And then the other book that's really powerful is The Slight Edge because it's about everything that we're talking about right now. Fantastic. And who's your favorite mentor that you've ever had and why? Hmm. Um, probably Brendan Burchard, actually, that might sound a little shocking because he's not fiery and crazy and anything like that to me, but I loved his, I love his, uh, approach to just, I, I just love his approach to things, honestly. Nice. Nice. Well, guys, there you have it. Reach out to Keith Yaki, privatemoneyprocess.com. Follow him on Instagram. Keith, I've absolutely loved reconnecting with you. I'm super happy that you guys have settled back into Southern California. I have to come and visit real soon. Please do, man. I'll take you out in the waves. And if you don't surf, well, you can just come and be a buoy with us and have a great conversation. Yeah. I'll be a great buoy. I, I'm athletic enough, man. I, I believe I can learn how to surf. I'd probably kick Hell my, yeah, you can. Kick my Hell ass yeah. the first few times, but I could definitely jump out there and try. No doubt about it. But dude, the ass kicking is the fun part because you're getting tossed and it's just so much fun. We'll, we'll all hoot and holler for you. Awesome, man. Well, Keith, thanks so much for being here, man. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing and going deep with us today. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. My pleasure, man. Take care. All right, bye. 
You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of, apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com.